Hello, 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 my dear audience. I'm Peter Resnick, and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. Once again, I want to thank you so, so super much for your emails and kind words. Uh, you made Some of you made wonderful comments, asked a lot of interesting questions. I will do my best to answer them uh, if today or in other shows as well. I do make my notes. I know I already told you about it, but I'm compelled to tell you this once again. Maybe it's my insecurity or neediness. It's interesting because uh, I don't know how with others, but the older I get, the more uh, vulnerable in a way I feel. Uh, at the age of 30 or 40, I felt definitely I knew so much and I knew had so many answers, but now I have more questions than I answers. Socrates was right. Remember, he said, the circle of our knowledge, we have a certain circle. Imagine making a little circle, let's say five inches wide. And then as we know that much, and then what we are touching around that circle is X amount of unknown. But imagine now you have a bigger circle, 20 inches wide. You know much more, but then you touch so much more that you don't know. So Socrates said 25, almost 2600 years ago, the more I know, the more I do not know. And I feel that at the age of 66, now I arrived to this point. I guess uh, all those decades of seeing patients and teaching workshops and getting uh, everyone's feedback got me spoiled. Uh, but because th this is a radio show, I don't see people I talk to. Um, unless I hear from you, I feel kind of strange. Like I'm talking into an empty space. Uh, this is, as I said, my first time uh, doing the radio show. Uh, it's been only six months. I probably should ask other hosts how they feel. Uh, so this week, um, a couple of females just warmed my heart, I have to tell you. Thank you again. And for today's show, I was planning to have a guest, but it didn't work out. So I have, you have me again, or I have you, my dear audience, all to myself. Next week, uh, I can tell you I will have a guest that I already had on this show three months ago. His name is Vladimir Engert. He is an internationally acclaimed um, psychic medium and energy healer, and so much more. And in March, middle of March, when I interviewed him, we were able just to get a little bit of vision of what he's doing. I know a lot about his work. Uh, so we just touched on sliver of it. Uh, we spoke about his personal journey and then how he does his healing and he shared his personal philosophy and vision of life. And But he also mentioned that we all have this capacity in us. Um, the, there was a, a psychic, not a healer, but a psychic, Ingo Swan, uh, one of the greatest psychics of 20th century. I had the privilege of meeting him one time and he, uh, some uh, 
commentators said that he was as accurate as Edgar Casey. Maybe uh, some of you know Edgar Casey. So, uh, but Edgar Casey uh, gave also advice psychically. He would connect with whatever you want to call it, the other side, and psychically he would be able to uh, get information on how people could get cured from different illnesses. Um, Ingus Swan did not do this, but he was quite an incredible psychic. He wrote a number of interesting books, and one of them is called Your Nostradamus Factor, your, your own ability to, to be a psychic. So, but what I would like to do next week is to ask Vladimir to share with us how he can teach other people, if not to become like him, because he has a gift from very young age, but how to some degree to develop your own ability to see things uh, beyond what your naked eye can see, or even beyond what you're accustomed to feeling through your intuition. And because I had the privilege of taking a class with him more than 20 years ago in doing just that, I know it's possible and uh, I would like to interview him from that and uh, hopefully you can learn some interesting tools from him. But today, today I decided since uh, it's kind of not a planned talk because I was planning uh, really till this morning to have somebody uh, for an interview, let's have I decided an open floor how do they call it? First come, first serve, yes? Anybody can call me right now or anytime during the show and I will work with you on whatever issue you present or if you want me to speak on some particular subject, I will gladly do so. I want to remind you, those of you who want to call, the number here is 888-874. 4888. Again, 888-874-4888. And if you would like to write to me and don't have my uh, email address, uh, my address is um, drpeterresnik at gmail.com. D-R-P-E-T-E-R. R-E-Z-N-I-K at gmail.com. Uh, I do have a lot of written questions uh, that you send it to me, uh, and, and I have the list. I did not forget. Some of them I already answered. That is, I spoke on the subject, but I tell you what is ahead of us because a, a significant number of writers um, requested that I talk about depression, weight and body image, moral and spiritual issues, physical disorders, fear, anxiety, and panic attacks, and relationships. By the way, Gary Nall, uh, you all probably know Gary Nall, but it's the owner of this uh, network, and Gary Nall has a show every single day. He interviewed me one time uh, on his show, and oh, oh, wonderful! Oh, something wonderful. We we have a caller. We will continue talking. I want to take the opportunity and get the caller. I did not see clearly. They just sent me a text. 
but I don't see who it is. I think it's Carol, but um, if you hear me there, um, please, I would like to uh, invite Carol uh, for this interview. You're on the air. Hello? Hello. Yes, hi. Your name Hello, is... Hello, Dr. I don't hear you very well. I don't hear you at all, in fact. Hello, Dr. Peter. Yes, hello. And what's your name? Yeah. It's Carol. Carol. Yeah. Oh, right. So I read it correctly. Yes, welcome to the show. And I am very happy you called. Thank you. And uh, you have a question or comment? Yes, I was just, um, first of all, I want to thank you for your show. I love it. And um, it has been very helpful. I was uh -huh. calling about um, purpose. Yes, please. And um, what is one's, um, how does one determine what one's purpose is in life? I'm 61, 61 years old. Yes. yes. And I have not determined yet what is my true purpose, gift that I have to impart in the world, to the mm -hmm. world. Yeah. And is that important? Is that even important to 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 try to identify, or does one, you know, or does yeah, one? Yeah. yeah, Carol. Are there thanks. are there specific steps to to identify what one's purpose is? I guess yes. that's my basic yeah. question. Let me talk about it. But again, as I talk, Carol, uh, if you have a question or comment as I'm talking, please feel free to interrupt me. Uh, it's a huge question. I love I love that you asked this question, and nobody actually in the emails asked me, brought this up. So, uh, Carol, it's a fantastic question. What is the purpose of life? Uh, you understand that <laughs> for thousands of years, for for as long for as people are alive and and able to, as they became not just Homo sapiens, the per, a person who thinks, but Homo sapiens sapiens, a person who is self-aware of his own or her own awareness. We have been asking this question, what is the purpose of life? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I will tell you uh, that a number of people actually would came over the years to, to see me, not because they dealt with some physical or emotional problem, but because specifically they, they, they ask a question, what is the meaning of my life? What should I be pursuing? Some people from childhood have a very clear vision of what they want to do. Uh, some people become like uh, uh, interested in drawing. Some people write poetry. Some people, like I, I work with a young 14-year-old uh, girl. She knows exactly what she wants. She wants to work on computers and do cybersecurity. Of all things, why would... <laughs> So, but that's what she wants to do. But some people say, okay, that's not what I've done many things in life and nothing made me excited or made me feel that this is it. That's what I want to do. Um, of course, it also depends on what your uh, personal belief system is. My personal belief is that we all, number one, we all come into this world already having one purpose beyond something that we can do in the world for others. One purpose is 
as my teacher of blessed memory, Colette, said, to climb the ladder of ourselves, to become the best we can be. And one can say, oh, well, come on, come on. This is, I want, I want to find out what job I should do, what is the best vocation, what is the best uh, thing to be involved with. The most important thing, and that's still my belief, is refining yourself. Because we are part of one big organism called humanity. And every part of that big organism needs development. That's from a spiritual perspective. Um, just like in our body, we have 50 to, tri to 70 trillion cells. But they are all, all, each cell has its individual consciousness, in fact. Each cell plays a role in the body. And if a group of cells is not doing well, they're important for the whole body. Because if the group, a group of cells is not doing well, a whole organism is not well. The same thing for humanity. We, by becoming the best of ourselves, we are advancing the whole humanity. So, and I don't remember who said it. I think it was Mahatma Gandhi. If you want to create change, be the change. Uh, so if you want to improve humanity uh, or better humanity, better yourself, that is number one purpose. Then if you, and, and I want to say, Carol, that that is good enough. Being the most important thing is being a good human being. My, my son, Aaron, when he was, he just graduated college, uh, and before he was looking for what job he wanted, what, what college he wanted to go to, what he wanted to study, he asked me this question. Uh, what would make you proud uh, of me? Uh, what, what would you want me to choose to do? And I said to him, and I'm telling you, it's absolutely true to me, what I said then which, uh, and what I am saying now. I said to him, you know, if you choose to be to, to mow people's lawns, to be a plumber, to be a lawyer, to be a businessman. If you are happy with it, I will be proud of you and I will be happy for you. But most of all, what will make me proud of you is if you are kind to people. So Carol, if you are kind to people and it sounds like you are a thoughtful and kind person, uh, I, there is another way I know that you're kind, because I don't know if you listen to all my lectures, but I do face reading, uh, and it means I look at a person's face, and I know their character traits. It's not something I developed. I learned it from my teachers. It's a very ancient body of knowledge. So, But also there is an advanced face reading, and that is I read people's voices. Uh, and through the voice, I have an image of a person. And when I have an image, I know the characters of, of a person. So from your voice, Carol, I, I know you're kind and, um, how to say it, accommodating, uh, consider, or considerate the right person. Per, and that is a beautiful quality. So that is enough by you bringing beauty of consideration and care into this world. Now, you may say, but that's not enough. I want to do something. Then you can ask a question. 
Remember, we have a dreaming mind. We have night dreams that many people are not attack, um, looking into. But that is another way to know what your purpose is. You write a, a little letter, a note. Dear higher self, if you don't believe in higher self, you can write dear subconscious mind or whatever you want to call it. Dear, but I write, dear higher self, please inform me through my night dreams of the best way for me to express my being into, in this world. You can put it in, in different language. You can say, what is the purpose of my life? But a lot of people think that it like very, it's a very complicated thing. I have to figure out. It has to be one specific thing. But my personal belief, it's your way of being is the purpose of life. The being a, a kind, kind person. And then people have to make a living. And sometimes they love what they do and sometimes not. I don't know if you, maybe some coal miners like mining coal. But honestly, I doubt if that is such an enjoyable thing, going thousands of feet under the ground and digging coal. But they do it because they want to make money, because they care about their family, they're providing. And, and that, that is how they're fulfilling their purpose, uh, by caring about the other people. By find in, in my work, when, when I see people who are depressed, uh, most of the time it's when they're only focused on themselves. It's all about them. Something bad happened to them. They feel guilty or they feel they blame somebody. They're dissatisfied with something. They are totally focused on themselves. When pe it doesn't mean that all people who are focusing on others are very happy. But for sure, when people are giving and loving and extending themselves for others, uh, they're in a much better place, uh, emotionally and mentally. So, but as I said, you write this note and you put it under your, um, under your pillow. And then you will have night dreams. And through night dreams, you can get a very clear, clear picture. But you need to know how to work with your dreams. One, you can again call another time and ask me about your night dream if you have one. The other way, uh, of course, uh, because you cannot do it every day. And every day you get, you, you have the cap capacity to have dreams if you begin to pay attention to them. You live in a notebook on your night table, which means you inform your subconscious mind. I am interested in remembering dreams. And read my article. Go on my website, drpeterresnik.com. And under articles, uh, read the article Dream Work. And it's really a manual, step by step, on how to work with your night dreams. And in my experience, very, very often people get this kind of, some kind of a message that they would be good or, or in this area and that. And it, you know it through, through the feeling that you get during the dream and when you wake up, that this is the right thing. But to, to conclude, my answer uh, is, it seems to me, Carol, that you are already, without knowing it, fulfilling your purpose by being you. There is a purpose for every human being on this planet. Also, another, if, if I can extend, and you did not ask me um, about it, but, but 
maybe you and maybe other people in the audience can benefit from it. How do you know what you need to work on when you work on yourself? What is the most important? That is, it's part of the purpose of your life. Whereas I said, mastering yourself, but what do you need to master? That's very simple. Think of what comes into your life over and over again as a challenge. Which means if you encounter people who are angry, you, that there is something within you that brings into your life these people who are angry. Maybe you are dealing with your own anger. Maybe you don't know how to express your anger. Maybe you are expressing your anger and in not in an appropriate way. But there is an issue of anger. Let's say if you, if you were fired from work over and over again, or if you were uh, not treated right, that, or, or if you have too much and uh, you don't know what to do with what you have, or whatever it is, whether it's talent or, or possessions, whatever persists in your life, whatever you see happening again and again, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant, that is something for you to pay attention to and to work on. Uh, if it's pleasant and makes you feel good, then it's something for you to continue doing. You, uh, God, universe, nature brings into your life opportunities for you to express the best of yourself. And if say, this is something that is distressing to you, so then uh, God is giving, bringing in your life opportunities for you to do what we call tikkun, to do correction. And uh, you cannot get away from that. Uh, the people get in relationships, they don't like something about a person, they get divorced, get married, and discover that they're still dealing with the same issues. Okay, Carol, I hope I answered at least partially your question. Thank you very much again for calling. You did, you did, Dr. Peter. Thank you so much. You did. You're Welcome. Thank you for calling, Carol. You're welcome. Okay, now we continue our talk. As I said, fear, uh, the issues that we're dealing, depression, weight loss, moral, spiritual issues, fear, anxiety. That I, I, I feel I dealt with all of these issues over the years. I gave whole course, courses, actually, on every one of them and worked with countless people, uh, number of people individually dealing with all these issues. Uh, and I have a lot of tools to address every one of those panic and relationships and depression. But you know what? There is one major obstacle to overcoming any challenge, whatever challenge, uh, whatever I listed the challenge or any other challenge that I did not mention. Uh, you remember the title, the name of my show is The Toolbox. But does the toolbox solve problems? It's just a box with tools inside. Unless the tools are used, this toolbox has no value. So I have to, I'm thinking I will talk, think about something, talk about something now, unless somebody else calls, because I love callers. I'm so happy that Carol called. People have knowledge 
very often of what changes they want to make in their lives. Often they have a wealth of information on how to make those changes. In fact, if you go to Barnes and Nobles online, there are shelves and shelves with books on self-help and some are very good books with wonderful tools. But so what? They're just tools. People make commitments to act and they have the tools. Yet so often nothing is happening. And that is because one component is missing. And that component is will, willpower. Will is a vehicle for achieving what you want in your life. The stronger is your willpower, the more you can chart the course of your own life. I have to tell you, uh, years ago, and I remember this man, uh, years ago, a man came to see me from Philadelphia, uh, southern Philadelphia. It's a big spread city. And my office in Man was in Manhattan. He would drive two and a half hours once a week, two and a half hours to my office, two and a half hours back, and spend an hour and a half with me. So it's all together, four and a half hours, and he paid my fee for an hour and a half. So uh, he dealt with some serious issues in life, not physical, but serious emotional issues. And I, I remember him because I remember him coming and he was all sweaty and he said, oh, it was so much traffic this time. And I said to him, so how did you do? Did you do my assignments? Because I always give assignments at the end of each session. He said, uh, yes, uh, I could do better. I said, what? You could do better, which means you didn't do your homework. If you could do better, why didn't you do better? You did not do the homework. You have to do it 100%. Well, you know, I got tied up. What? You, you spend four and a half hours of your life traveling, making this effort, paying for it, and you're not doing your homework. I'll give you another example, something that is, I'm so blessed to, to have this, to know this now. I work right now uh, with a man in Poland on Skype. And... Uh, because he doesn't listen to these shows, he doesn't speak English. So I can tell you, his diagnosis was so grave. Uh, I will tell you probably no statistics. He was diagnosed a year and a half ago with pancreatic cancer. And you know, within six months after a person is diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, I think over 90% of people are dead within a year, everybody is dead. Uh, but he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, liver cancer, gallbladder cancer, and stomach cancer. And he uh, is an a friend of, of, of an acquaintance of mine. So they called me. Uh, and to make a long story short, he's alive now, one year and a half, and he's in remission. And I have, I, I, in maybe a few weeks ago, when he got his test, latest test, he said, I want to thank you so much. And I interrupted him. I said, listen, I want to thank you. You are my hero. You know how many people I teach. I share my tools. 
that not everyone does so well as well as you. And the reason for that is because every single thing I told you, you did. Not 90%, 100%. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you what I was giving him was challenging, which means like when one, once we started working, I gave him, I told him to fast for one week and he was already exhausted. And he told this to his physician who said that, you know, you have six months to live and this was and so on. And and uh, when, once he told the physician, you know, I'm going to fast, the physician said, no, 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 this is terrible. Uh, it will kill you. He said, you, you said that me, to, to me that I'm going to die anyway. So anyway, he decided to do the program. And I have to tell you, you know, I'm not recommending that you go on a fast if you have some physical illness on a fast for a week. I, I read his blood work. I knew minutest details about his life, his physical state, and also that he had nothing to lose. He went for one week, he, he fasted, and then he did the whole protocol that I suggested, and he made every change in his life, every, mended every single relationship, did yoga exactly the way I described to him. I'm telling you, there were so many things I gave him, and he did every every single thing. That's that's a man, and of course he he's doing so well. I'm so happy to tell you. So nothing, you know, and and there are people who who are encouraged to do things, and they did as well or not as well. And then I have to also tell you, it doesn't mean that if a person that I teach to do something does 100% that I suggest that they are guaranteed to be like this man. No, because I don't have knowledge of what all the components that uh, have to work, that have to, have to work the right way for a person to become uh, cured. I know that I, do what I do, and it's my contribution. But beyond my contribution, my, what I teach a person, there is a person's relationship with God, uh, with, the, with the person's relationship with people, with oneself. All that plays a role. Uh, and when, when also what I teach goes in, and it fits this whole uh, how do you call it? Like a, Rub a Rubik's cube, you know? It all fits, things work. But sometimes, when, no matter what I teach, a person is not doing that well. So I don't want to claim that, you know, if, if I taught you something and you did not achieve 100% or even 50%, it means you something is wrong about you. There, there is what I call X factor, the unknown. And we have to live with that unknown. But it's our responsibility to do the very best we can do. First, you find someone you trust if you have some serious issue that you're dealing with, whether it's physical or emotional. And then you have to make a commitment to make the changes in life that uh, that person uh, or that teaching, it doesn't have to be in person, maybe you find some book that uh, you will inspire you but once you choose the path you have to follow the path 
And that's what brings us back to what I call will integration training. And that is strengthening your will. Because I can talk, how do you call it, to, to the blue moon or whatever your expression is. Uh, I can encourage you, but unless you have the will, like this gentleman, Sergei, that I told you about uh, from Poland, nothing really will happen. So, and I recognized it uh, quite early in my career. So, uh, but somewhere 20, maybe 25 years ago, uh, I developed recognizing that, that, that knowing the tools is not enough, but a person needs to have will. I developed what is called WIT, W-I-T, or will integration training. And let me talk about a little bit about this wit. I, I hear at times from people, oh, I have absolutely no will. That's, uh, that's absolutely not true. Uh, in the morning, uh, I would say to a person, in the morning you want to go to the bathroom and you would rather stay in bed. But no, you make a decision, perhaps cursing and complaining you take a willful act of crawling out of this warm and cozy bed and walking all the way, maybe down the hallway uh, and go to the bathroom. And, but the person would say, yeah, but I have no choice. Of course you have a choice. You can do it in your bed. It will be like, in fact, it's warm and <laughs> you won't need to make an effort. Why didn't you do that? Because the price is too high. That's it. And apply it to any situation. It's all about the price. You know, I have to share with you something. Uh, I go to uh, pray uh, six days a week to a synagogue uh, with a group of men pray, pray together. And uh, last week, a, a young man in his 30s said something uh, to me. He said, you know, they know what I do uh, in life. Uh, I gave a number of lectures. Uh, and so the man walked over to me and said, you know, uh, you see, I came late today for prayers. And sometimes I just sleep through. Um, can you suggest some, something psychologically, maybe something is not right with me, because I just cannot make it, you know, at 7.45 in the morning, I just, it's impossible for me. And I said to him, uh, uh, I said to him by name, let's call him John, which is not John, I said, John, let me suggest something. And if you if agree to follow my suggestion, then you will succeed in coming every day and you won't even need to follow my suggestion. It was kind of puzzling a little bit for him, but I said, listen to this. You know me for a while, I've been around here and you know that I will not steal your money. I want you to do this. I want you to bring a thousand dollars next to what time you come and hand it to me. You can hand it in front of other people so that, you know, people know that I hold you a thousand dollars. And from that day on, I want you to come 
every morning for prayers, like when I come. And if you do not come exactly at 7.45, we have this box called Tzedakah box, the donations. I take $100 from this thousand and I put them as a donation. This is it. Are you going to do it? And I paused and he was thinking. And I said, also I asked him how much money he was making like to see, because if he is a multimillionaire, it doesn't matter for him $1,000. But he said that he was making something like 30 or $35,000. So $1,000 is a significant amount of money. I said to him, but I don't need you really to bring this $1,000. Just answer for yourself this question. If you would indeed give me this $1,000, would you not come? Would you agree that I would put $100 because you didn't show up? And he didn't say anything. He just looked down. I said, here is the answer. So the answer is then it's a matter of a price, which means somehow you have to admit I'm for sale because $100 would make me come. So don't say to yourself, don't a kind of accuse yourself of not being able, not being, uh, being a weak person who cannot uh, get up in the morning. You can, and the price is $100. And you know, uh, that was, I think it was last, last Tuesday. And since then, I saw him every morning uh, coming for prayers. I don't know how long it will last. I pray that it will. So it's all about the price. A two-day, a pack-a-day smoker said once to me, I could not stop for a life of it. I tried everything. And during the, that, that's a, a, a person who comes to my mind. Uh, it's a specific person. I, I know him because he came to see me for other reasons um, for a while. So that during the, our interview, he actually, when we met in the first 15, 20 minutes, I think, he proudly showed me a photo, uh, what he called my God's gift, a 16-year-old granddaughter. And he said, uh, you know, this is my life, you know, uh, I would give my life for her. And I said, well, uh, let's think about, uh, you said it's, she is God's gift, talking about God. Imagine, please, for a moment, but imagine it as clearly as you can that an angel of God appears here in my office. You see the angel, and I see the angel, which means it's not happening in your mind. I see the angel too. There is no doubt it's a real thing. And the angel says, my friend, I have a message for you directly from God. If you as much as take one puff, your granddaughter drops dead instantly. The heavens close and the angel disappears. What would you say, Chris? Would you keep smoking? And of course, not one person, and I repeated this question to many people, not only to this gentleman, uh, not one person ever said, well, I'm so addicted. Of course not. 
they would probably walk out of the room where people smoke, so God forbid they would not accidentally inhale. Why? The price is too high. The price is totally unacceptable. That is why. Uh, and the will suddenly becomes strong, strong enough to do what needs to be done, whether it is to abstain from a substance or to go to work so children would eat, whether it is to jump in the cold water to save your dog or to take a shower so you would look decent when your friend comes to visit you. The other motivator to will is a reward. Think of someone who, so we said the punishment, the price you pay, but think of someone who uh, has, by his her own admission, uh, like uh, this problem of laziness and says, I cannot do anything, you know. Uh, and they are given a task to perform for a period of eight hours with a payment of $500. Uh, it's relatively a good chunk of money, but the person just cannot get him or herself to do the task uh, and loses the money, $500. Now, imagine the reward is $500,000. What happens with the laziness? Think about it, unless you're a billionaire, Think about it, $500, probably whoever was listening, yeah, if you're very lazy, yeah, I cannot move. But think about $500,000. Is your will weak? For eight hours, you have to work very hard. Of course you will, which means you have the will. The presence or absence of wills, strong will or weak will, are all relative concepts. It all comes from one thing. Excuse me, I have a sip of my... Ginger tea. <clears throat> it all comes to one thing, the price to pay for no action and the reward one can get for taking action. The price and reward will vary from person to person depending on their value system. The will to strengthen, uh, the will, depends on how important it is for a person to gain the reward or to avoid pain of paying the price for non-action. That's, that's it. You have to know this. You have to take responsibility for making a choice. Someone will say, that's if a, per, uh, if a person is not exercising strong will, there may be psychological reason for it. And unless we uncover the roots of the problem, no. No, I don't believe it is a good idea to look for the root of the problem. We may not find them. We may find them, we may not. Or we may find what looks like roots, but these are not the real roots. They may be uh, this, uh, leading to other roots. And those roots to lead to other roots. And if you believe in past lives, it may travel with you through all past lives. So what? Depending on psychological theory you believe, you will find a different explanation or an alibi 
to why you are the way you are. But the truth is, uh, these are all intellectual guesses. The only unquestionable reality is that a person does not have strong will, or a person is depressed, or a person is anxious. Why, will may never know. Uh, maybe the problem stems from, from something you will never find out. So then you will be staying where you are. Is that, is that an answer? Is that then you have an alibi? If you ask, why is it so difficult for many to exercise their will? The answer is, will and freedom to use one's will have a very powerful opponent. This opponent is a habit. Sometimes people want to change what they call bad habits into what they call good habits. But I believe there is no such thing as a good habit. A habit means that you are asleep to the present moment. It means that you're functioning automatically without mental and or emotional participation. Virtually every culture teaches energy flows where attention goes. I repeat, energy flows where attention goes. If you are doing your morning stretching and thinking about a project you are involved uh, in at work, your body slash mind is not fully partaking in the exercise and you're not getting full benefits from it. Therefore, each time you're doing something habitually, you're reinforcing your capacity to become even more habitual. You become increasingly a subject to conditioning. That's not what you want. You want to strengthen your will uh, to be in the present moment and have the freedom to make choices. And we're making choices every single day, sometimes every moment. The way to freedom of becoming the best you can possibly be is by doing, going through the process of dehabituation, accepting full responsibility for your thoughts, emotions, and actions, and utilizing your will to make conscious, deliberate choices. Uh, as I said, I developed this will integration training. This is just an introduction. And I suggest for 12, a person practices for 12 weeks uh, different exercises. Today I will give you exercise for week one. Uh, and let's say next week, uh, I will be interviewing someone, and then next, the following week, I will be talking. It's, it's okay. Those of you who are interested, I still, in each show, I will squeeze I will, uh, uh, two, three minutes to give you a new assignment. Consider, if you're interested, today, week one, I will give you today the first exercise. If I believe, and, and it's not only belief, it's my experience, if you do these 12 weeks, with will integration training, at the end of 12 weeks, you will be in a different place. It doesn't mean that you will, will go on a scale from 1 to 10. If it was uh, 2, it becomes 10. 
No, if it was, was two, it will become four or five, or maybe six. If it was six, it will become nine, nine or ten. I don't know, but definitely your will be strengthened greatly. If you still, after 12 weeks, are not in the place you want to be, then I would suggest take the same exercises, but do for three weeks each exercise that you did for one week. So it will be then not 12 weeks, but 36 weeks, more than half a year. Then for sure you will accomplish what you want what you want to accomplish. So let me start with the first exercise. Uh, you see what happens right now, your brain is programmed that you are not successful. Those of you who, I'm talking about people who did not exercise their will to their liking, which means each time you did not exercise your will, each time you did you did not do something you wanted to, or you did something that you did not want to, your subconscious registered it as a failure. What we want to do is to change your subconscious mind to expecting success rather than failure. So I will give you now a technique. Uh, and the technique I developed as a result of listening to an interview uh, somebody had with Michael Jordan. Um, and Michael, Michael Jordan was asked, and I think I once I already told this on the show, one of the shows, Michael Jordan was asked, how can, how can it be that you always throw uh, the ball into the hoop and, and it's so successful? And Michael Jordan said that his father created, when he was a little boy, a hoop and would say, Mikey, throw the ball in the hoop. And, and the father would catch the ball. And of course, the, as, the, as Mikey grew, the father would go a little further and further away from from Mike um, and Michael would still throw the ball in the hoop. And in his mind, all he saw is the ball going into the hoop. And then when he went on the big, uh, uh, how do you call it, the yard where there was a, um, uh, you could play real basketball and he would start throwing the ball in his mind, he didn't have a concept of the ball not going into the hoop, and, and, and we know uh, what kind of a player he was uh, over the years. So, and that's when I got the idea that we need to program the mind to success. Therefore, if you want to participate right now, do this. Uh, say out loud or in your mind, I choose to touch the tip of my nose with the index finger of my right hand. And now touch it. Okay, you will say, so what's the big deal? I touched <laughs> my nose. No, you just said something that you want to do and you were successful 100%. Your brain registers, it doesn't matter what you succeeded on, but your brain registered 100% success. So what I would like you to do this week is Anything that you do, but don't do it with things that you are questioning whether or not you will do it or not. But only with things that you do, just before doing it, say to yourself mentally, I choose to do this. For example, at one point you will choose to, uh, I don't know, just turn off your computer, or turn off your cell phone. 
So before doing that, you say, I choose to turn off my cell phone. But if you already said that, please, even if you somebody is calling you, turn it off. First, turn it off. Because once you said, I choose, you have to do it. So then your brain registers, oops, another success. Then I choose to get up from this chair. I choose to go get a cup of water. I choose to cross the street. I choose to stop on the red light. I choose to say hello to this person that I see I'm walking toward, and so on. If you do this, in, at the end of the day, you know, you will have maybe a few hundred times where you said you choose and you succeeded. So that already your brain is programmed. You're, you're Mr. or Mrs. Success. So if you do it for a week, think of thousands of suggestions that you are receiving uh, that you are successful. So your brain now is beginning to expect success. Later on, maybe after one week of doing this, you can tr choose to do something that is a little bit challenging. For example, if you were, let's say you were dealing with problems with eating. Yes, for now, even if it's something that is not good for you, but you know you're going to eat it anyway, don't just eat it and say, I choose to eat this cookie. You can even say, even though it's not so good for me, I choose to eat this, I choose to eat that. But after a week of choosing, you can say, I choose to skip this one. I choose instead to have this, you see? But first, for one week, only choices that make you Mr. and Mrs. Success. That's super important. This is only your first your first assignment. So there will be 12 more. Remember, you are programming your mind for success. There will be, again, by the end of the week, you may find, oh, I was forgetting so many times. I lost so many opportunities. I've been there. I know it's normal. Don't worry. Don't judge yourself. Only praise yourself for what you have done right as many as often as you can and you know you can uh, even we have all these devices you can set your uh, cell phone for example on on a little buzzer that once in an hour gives you a little buzz and that reminds you are you conscious of making choices and then for at least few minutes you will be aware that if you make a step, you can still, you can make a, say, I choose to make this step, or I choose to sit down, I choose to get up, I choose to go through the door, I choose to call, make a telephone call. As long as you say, I choose, and then you follow through, your brain registers success. So, and uh, you're absolutely welcome next week to call and let me know how you're choosing to succeed was happening and uh, I will, as I said, I will give you the assignment of the second week. Uh, and now I, as usual, I had no one intentions to tell you many more uh, actually stories. I have a couple of interesting stories to tell you about choices, but we are running out of time 
and I don't want to be interrupted in the middle of the sentence. So uh, our time together is coming to an end. I want to thank you uh, for participating today. Uh, again, you're welcome to uh, write uh, emails to me. I'm always happy to hear from you. And uh, I wish you a wonderful week. Peace to all who want to live in peace.